0: Hey, good morning. Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 9, please. Uh, it's been quite a week, huh? I don't know if you've had a pretty crazy week. Anybody? You know, from hurricanes to uh, fires to just stuff, uh, you know, physical stuff. Um uh, <clears throat> The trials that we face in this life, you know, it's, uh, they're real. They really are real. Uh, how, how do you know that? This is how I know it. That's not, that's not doctored. <laughs> that's before the doctor, right? You know, uh, stuff happens, man, that, my face just blew up. You know, I've had this before, but like this is the worst that's ever been. Like and I'm just and it's funny, it's a tiny little thing that can cause that. You know? Things in our lives, we got a hurricane right in it. That's massive and, and can cause all kinds of stuff. And there were people praying that it wouldn't hit Florida, and guess what? It didn't hit Florida, but it it created devastation in the Bahamas. But sometimes it's the little things that can create so much trouble in our lives, isn't it? The little things that can become big things and and, uh, but, but, I, but I know one thing is that, that God is there with us in the middle of these things. Amen. You know, does he, does he always heal? Does he always uh, fix things? Well, he does, but maybe not always the way that we want him to, that we would like him to, or in the time that we would like him to. You know, I had to suffer for many days before I had any kind of relief. But, but you know what? In perspective, it was only days compared to months or years with some, some things we suffer with for long, long periods of time. But I believe that God does incredible things and God answers prayer and God does miracles even today in his time and in his way. Always, always, always. So we're looking at John chapter 9. We're going to pick it up where we left off. And and just a little thinking back to, you know, what we talked about last week, you know, this idea, you know, they said, well, who sinned? Was it the man that he was born blind? Was it the man who sinned or was it his parents who sinned? You know, who's at fault? We've got to lay some blame somewhere. We like to blame somebody. It's somebody else's fault. But sometimes it's our fault. We know that. But that's not really the right question. The right question is what can God do about it? You know, not not whose fault was it, but who can heal? Who can can make it right? Who can forgive? What can God do? In, In answer to their question, Jesus said it was neither of them. It wasn't the man. It wasn't his parents. He says, but that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That God wanted to do something. The work of God, the the occupation of God, which is to work in our lives, that's what he does. That's his business. If he had a sign, it would be, you know, his occupation, working in people's lives. That's his business. That's what the word there means. And Jesus said he was going to take the opportunity while it was still day, while he was physically in the world while he was definitely the light of the world and he was going to do something in this man's life. So what we see, and we already know what happens in the story, the man is going to be healed, but he's also going to be saved. I love, I found this scripture in Jeremiah 17, where it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. This man was healed and he was saved by Jesus. This is where we need to go. This is where we need to go to be healed, to be saved. And as Orlando was talking about, to to know for sure where it is our address is going to be. Jesus heals and Jesus saves, He brings light. Jesus heals physically and He also heals spiritually. Now, I've mentioned before, we, we, we need to be careful we don't spiritualize uh, every passage we read. And, and, and in this case, you know, Jesus healed the man physically, and we just make that a spiritual thing only. But in this particular passage, we see that Jesus does both. He heals physically and he heals spiritually. And he can and he does do both. I truly believe that found another passage I want to throw up there in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep dark darkness, a light will shine. This really is looking ahead. And, and the interesting thing when you read the Old Testament, we see that the prophecies that were given that the Messiah would open people's eyes. And he would bring light in darkness. And and that is what he actually came to do. And that's why he said he was the light of the world. And that's what he did to this man. He opened the man's eyes. He gave sight. One uh, commentary said that Jesus performed more miracles of this kind, opening eyes, than any other. Giving sight to the blind was predicted as a messianic activity. So, again, to, to kind of prove who he was, he would open people's eyes he would give sight to the blind physically but also spiritually and he's doing the same today I want to encourage you no matter what kind of darkness that you and I face that he is still the God today who brings light into the darkness into those times of struggle and trial when we don't know how am I going to make this I can't see and we're crying out to him he will bring the light Isaiah chapter 29, he says, out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Isaiah 35, then the eyes of the blind will be open. Isaiah 42, to open eyes that are blind. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was in the synagogue reading from the book of Isaiah, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. That's what he came to do. And he said, to this day, it's fulfilled. I'm here. Jesus is still the one today that's going to do all those things for you and for me. So let's pick it up where we left off here in, in uh, chapter 9, verse 6. Jesus, the great physician, healing this man. It said, having said this, he said, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud, mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This, mean, uh, this word means sent. So the man went, and he washed, and he came home seeing that's kind of incredible isn't it this is this is one of the one of the miracles that John was was uh, prompted to write down by the holy spirit that would encourage you and me in our faith in trusting in in Jesus Christ as the son of god he healed this man Someone said this, that Jesus used a wide variety in his cures. And I think it's kind of interesting the way he does it. Now, does that mean that we go, this is how we do it. And if somebody has a problem, you just make some mud and put it on their face, eye, whatever. Uh, you know, I could have went and put some mud on my face. And, 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 but but he, didn't, he didn't do it the same every way, did he? He did it differently every single time. He never did it all, you know, one specific way. And why is that? I think so that we, that we would not come up with these formulas. And we say, well, this is exactly what it, what it, how it should be. And this is, if we just do it like this, then Jesus is going to do this. He made some mud and he, and he made clay and he, he put it on the man's eyes. Kind of a crazy thing, isn't it? Actually, actually, you know, this day is a Sabbath day and, and, and it was actually against the Sabbath, against the, the law to actually do that kind of work, make mud, make clay. You're not allowed to do that kind of thing on the Sabbath day. He starts getting in trouble by what he was doing. And then what did he do? So he he puts this mud on his eyes. He made it with his spittle. He puts it in the ground, makes this mud, puts it on his eyes. And then then what does he do? It says that he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So he he told the man to go and do something. He told him to go and do something. The question is, would he do it? You see, when you think about what happened here, the man, Jesus came to the man, you know, he, he didn't even ask Jesus to do anything for him, but, but, but Jesus, uh, you know, saw this man, he cared about him, cared for him, wanted to do something, and, and, he, and he did this for him, put this mud on his eyes, but, but he had to respond. He had to do something. He had to make some kind of a response. He had to actively do something, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think we can say, too, that the Lord wants us to respond. And sometimes it takes some kind of an active response. Maybe it's you need to ask somebody to pray for you. Maybe it's you need to tell somebody. Maybe you need to get down on your knees before the Almighty God and pray and ask Him to do something in your life. I don't know what it is, but, but, but he asked this man to do something. Again, we can't, we can't make a formula and say this is exactly what, you know, if you do this exact this way, this way, this way, then, then this is what's going to happen. But I think there's a sense of surrendering to what God would want to do in our lives. That makes a difference in our lives. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, there was a man, his name was Naaman, and he had leprosy, right? And, and he wanted to be healed desperately, and, you know, he was, you can read the whole story there, but, but anyways, he was told by Elisha the prophet to go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. Well, he was not an Israelite, this man, first of all, and, and so he said, why would I want to go to the Jordan, you know, the, the rivers and the land that I'm from are so much better than that. He actually got angry. But there was somebody who convinced him, like, what have you got to lose? Like, you're being foolish. Why, why would you not just do what he said? If this is, a, you know, going to give you some hope and a possibility. And so finally he was convinced and he, and he went and he, he washed seven times. He dipped seven times in the Jordan River and, and He was healed. He made that response. First, he, re, you know, he refused. He was angry. He didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. And I have to say that. I think we do that sometimes. God, you want me to do what? No, I don't think so. You want me to, you want me to talk to who? You want me to say what? And we say, no, I, I'm not going to do that. This man did that, and, 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 and finally, he, he surrendered. It says this, he went down, he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God and he stood before him and he said this, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. This encounter, this this thing that happened, it, it changed his heart, but not so much that he's going to live in this in body forever and ever. He was still going to die, but he knew something about God now. See, it always gets back to the spiritual. Even these physical things that you and I face, they're always going to channel us to the spiritual. Where is our heart before God? What do we really believe? It's not just to, you know... You know, what good, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, Jesus said? What good is it if your body is healed, but you're, you're still going to, you know, when you leave this world, you're still not going to be in heaven with the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? What good is that? You see, it, it needs to, to, to channel and, and lead us to faith and, and trusting in God, the Almighty. So anyways, the man went and washed. John Corson has you know, a way of looking at things. He's kind of a little bit different sometimes. He says this. He says, the Puritan writers say that, that this man blindly obeyed the Lord's command. Nobody gets it. Never mind. And he also said this. And his obedience was not so much a statement of his great faith as it was a simple desire to get the mud out of his eye. But the point is that he did it. The point is he surrendered to Jesus. That's the point. That's the point in our lives. You know what? Are we going to surrender to him? Are we going to say yes to him? And he came home seeing. Again, I still believe that God does incredible things, that God does miracles. I think lately we have been hearing about God doing miracles in people's lives. People that are related to us maybe even some people in this room, that God is doing miraculous things. Now, does he do it for every single person in every situation? I don't think so. He has, he has his, his plans and his purposes. But the question is, will we respond? Will we surrender? Will we come for prayer? Will we ask? Will we, will we do what he asks us to do? This man, it says he came home seeing. Look at verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, he, he, he had been reduced to just begging for a living. They asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself, this man, insisted, I am the man. I am the man. The, the neighbors and others who were around, they, they knew this guy from being in this place where he would beg for a living or whatever. But they saw something, didn't they? They saw him and they, they, they couldn't really hardly believe it. this is not the man, that we. he looks kind of like him, but no, he's not the guy. They saw something change in him. And when, when God works in people's lives, I think there's, there's a change that takes place that I think people will see in us. You're different. There's something about you. There's something that's going on in you. Maybe I don't like it, but, but there is something that, that I can see. They saw a change in him. They said, no. He looks like the guy, but he can't really be the guy. Sometimes it's like that. People believe, no, you're not the same person. What happened to you? Well, I had an encounter with Jesus. That's what happened. Verse 10 How then were your eyes open? They demanded. They're like, okay, he says, I am the guy. Well, how then were your eyes open? And he replied, The man they call Jesus. The man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. How much faith did this guy really have at that point? They asked him, who did this? How did it happen? He says, the man that they called Jesus, he, he really didn't have a whole lot of personal connection. The man they called Jesus, so he just kind of told his story that the, this guy, his name is Jesus, he did these things. I, you know, What I have to lose, I went and did it, and look at me now. I I mean, let me look at you now. The interesting thing about this is that this man hasn't even seen Jesus yet. Physically, right? Because when Jesus did this to him, he couldn't see. He sent him away to go and wash. Jesus went somewhere else. He He hasn't actually seen Jesus yet. But he did hear him. He heard his voice. He heard his voice. And I think, you know, for you and I to listen for his voice, maybe we're not going to see him physically now, but, but to listen for his voice. He heard his voice. He did what he asked him to do. It says he came home seeing God did something. Listen listen for you and I to listen for the voice of Jesus and, 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 and then obey and do what he says. Jesus says, if you love me, if you really love me, you'll keep my commandments, you'll do what I say. If you hear my voice. Now later on, this man, we're going to jump ahead today and get back to it next time, but later this man the Pharisees, you know, they got all involved in this, and, and they got angry at him. And as a matter of fact, they excommunicated him. They threw him out of the synagogue, the, the, the fellowship. They threw him out of the, 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 you know, the Jewish group, the, the synagogue group. They, they threw him out. And, and that was very costly because you lost connection with your family, with your friends, with, with, with different people. So they threw him out. But we're going to pick it up in verse 35 because though the people threw him out, these spiritual quote unquote leaders threw him out, Jesus now looks for him. Let's look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he had found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? His first question is, Do you believe in the Son of Man? I think it's kind of interesting, first of all, though, is that that he went and looked for this man, didn't he? It says, when he found him, means he had to go and look for him. He went and he finally found him, and and he is, is going to do something in his life. It wasn't, you know... There was this progression of relationship with Jesus that was happening. It started when he he put the mud on his eye and told him to go wash. And now uh, a bunch of other things have happened. And now Jesus looks for him and he he comes to him and and directly speaks to him. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe? That's That's the question, isn't it? And that's not just for unbelievers, that is for you and I as believers as well, where Jesus would say to us, do you believe in me? And I think we need to notice it was a very personal decision, wasn't it? Do you believe? He's speaking to him directly, face to face now. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And, and no matter what it is that you're going through, something has happened in this man's life. Do you believe in me? He didn't really know very much, though, did he? Not yet. Let's look at the next verse. What does it say? He said, Who is he, sir? Who is he? And the man asked, Tell me. Tell me so that I may believe in him. He wanted the truth. He was searching for the truth. He was asking Jesus, and I, and I and I think that, you know, wouldn't that be wonderful if we heard more people say that to you and I? Who is Jesus? I want to know. Tell me so that I may believe in Him. If people would say, you know... We, we don't have people knocking down our doors to say that to us, but Jesus is working in this man's life, and, and Jesus is at work in people's lives, and maybe he's working in your life right now, and you, you know, you're in this growth process, you're, you're struggling, you're learning, you want to know, but, but look at this guy's heart, I love this, he says, tell me, who is he? Tell me. He didn't realize at that point in the next verse we'll see that, it, that it, he's going to explain. I'm standing right in front of you. Tell me, who is he? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Help me. We, we all know that, that verse that says, you know, the man says, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. There's a, an idea of wanting to grow, wanting to learn, or, or wanting, having a heart. I, I, I want to know the truth. I want to know you. I want to know who he is. I want to believe in the Son of Man. I want to follow him. I want to do what he says. Romans, Paul talks about those that would call on the name of the Lord, that that they would be saved. And he said this, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Jesus would speak to him. We'll see it in the next verse, as I said, but you know what, there are people around us who need to know about who Jesus is. And who is it? Who is, who is going to tell them, if not you and me? I think we just have to have our eyes open for people around us that that, that are, are in a situation and maybe would we'll just say, you know, let me pray for you. I'd like to pray for you, but but but, but there are going to be those times when they say, you know, there's something different about you. I want what what it is that you have. I don't understand it. But I want it. Can you tell me what what is it? And, and it's Jesus, isn't it? It's not just for the preachers, though, that would say these words. Though I think, you know, those that have an opportunity to speak publicly need to be as clear as possible about, you know, faith in Jesus Christ as the 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 way to heaven and trusting in Him. It, it needs to be so crystal clear. But each one of us have a testimony. This man had a story. He had already been speaking to his neighbors. Other people were there. He was actually speaking to the Pharisees too, kind of witnessing to them. They didn't receive it very well. We'll get to that next time. But he had a story. But, but he, it wasn't, you know, after he got a seminary education before he could tell anybody any of those things. Because we see here now, he still didn't know very much. But he told what he knew. And he didn't just tell what he knew. He told his own story. He, told, he said, this is what happened to me. I don't know, but this is what, you know, I don't know what you know and what you think and all that, but let me tell you what happened to me. This is what happened to me. Jesus touched my life. He touched me. He touched me physically. He did something. So what does Jesus answer? Verse 37, Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. He couldn't have said that to him before though did could he have? He said you have now seen him. He couldn't see before. Jesus opened his eyes so that he he could actually see him. I you know, when when you look at some of the passages that speak about faith in Jesus is that he actually opens our eyes so that we can actually see him and believe. We, we're dependent on him. We need to seek after him and, and ask him to help us to, to open our hearts, open our eyes, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, so we might see you. But he is the one that does it. He does, he opens us. He opens our eyes. Jesus had opened this man's eyes so that he could see him. And, and you know What? What, what is this but but an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ is what changes this man? It came in stages. Yes, it did. But he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and that's what changes people's lives. That's what changes my life. That's what changes your life. To to have this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, but not just once, but on a continual basis where you are spending time with Him, or you're speaking to Him, where you're following Him. An encounter, a daily encounter, if you will, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 38. What does it say? The man answered, The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. That pretty much sums it up right there, doesn't it? First of all, he calls him Lord. That's a term of surrender. That's a term where, where, you know, we call someone Lord who is over us, who we are submitted and surrendered to, who we see as the master, the ruler, the king. And he says, Lord, I believe, I trust. See, he'd had this change on the outside and the physical thing, and God helped him there, but now what is even more important is this change on the inside. He says, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. In chapter 20 of uh, the Gospel of John, it says this that Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, in the Gospel of John. So he did all kinds of other miraculous things that, that were not written down. But, but John writes this, he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So these things were written down for you and I, that we would come to this place of faith. This is exactly what happens to this man. He did, Jesus did this miraculous thing in his life, but, but it, it didn't stop there. It, it brought him to the place where, again, he, he, he comes to this place of faith, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, that, that believing in him will have life in his name, that we'll have eternity forever and ever with him. He says, Lord, I believe but it doesn't stop there, does it? It says he worshipped him. He worshipped him. He worshipped him. But don't you love that? True faith leads to worship. Surrender, faith, and worship. These things all were together. Now, the fact that he worshipped him shows us, makes it very clear to us that he looked at him as Jesus Christ the Son of God, or Jesus, God the Son. Why do I say that? Why is that true? It's because nobody worships a man. We don't worship things. We don't worship people. We don't worship, you know, the the planet. There's only one that deserves worship, and who is that? God. God alone is to be worshipped. And this man, it says that he worshipped him. Someone said this, what a great day this had been in his life. He had received both physical and spiritual sight. And it's no wonder that he worshiped. No wonder. When God does something in your life, in my life, it leads us to worship where we just proclaim, God, you are so good. You are so awesome. God, I worship you. I, I sing to you. I, I pray to you. I, I give you all my heart. I give you my life. I give you my stuff. I give you my time. Worship is is, is all of those things, isn't it? He worshipped him. It it isn't just singing songs, though that's an important part of it. Worship affects our whole lives. He worshipped him. We don't don't hear much more about this man, but I think he became a true worshiper. In John chapter 4, it says the Father seeks those who would worship him. Doesn't it say that? Worship him in spirit and in truth. So, let's look back real quick at a few verses as we look through this chapter and the stages in this man's growth. Look at verse 11, first of all. It says that he replied and he said, he says this, the man they call Jesus. That's, we already saw that. That's That's as much as he knew at that point in time. Now in his encounter with the Pharisees, look at verse 17. They turned again to the blind man, who isn't blind anymore. And they said, what have have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And then the man replied, he is a prophet. So first it's the man they call Jesus. And then when he had time to think about it, well, he, he must be a prophet. He's a prophet. Verse 27 Again, he's in this conflict with these Pharisees. And he answers. He says, I have told you already. Like I'm getting tired of you guys, you know, in all your 20 questions. He says, I told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? (laughs) Just imagine that. At that point is when they started to get really mad, and then they threw him out of the, of the fellowship. But we see in that that he has, he has this conception that he is somebody that you could follow. Do you want to become his disciple? A disciple is a follower. So he's, he's, he's the man they call Jesus, he's a prophet, and he is somebody who is worthy of having disciples. Jump down to verse 33. And we're going to go through all this next time. It's pretty funny and pretty sad at the same time. He says, if this man, speaking about Jesus, were not from God, he could do nothing. So he believed that he was from God. And then our verse 38, where we see Jesus speaks to him and directly says, I am the one, I am the son of man, the son of God. And then the man says to him, Lord, I believe and worship sins. So there's a kind of a, a stages. And, yeah, it took, it took place, it seems, over a very short period of time. But isn't it true that we kind of go through different stages in our, in our spiritual growth, in our spiritual journey, our spiritual life? That's why I love one of my favorite verses uh, is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. You know, that the Lord who began a good work in you, what, what does it say? He will bring it to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. He started this work in you and I, and that's why we get a little frustrated. Lord, I don't understand, and and I can't, you know, it's not happening. But but He started a good work; He's going to finish it, and and He's doing this work in this man's, this particular man's life. It's kind of awesome. It's kind of encouraging. This passage I'll put up on the screen for you says this, the the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. That's like what it is. You know, we, we begin to see, we just see a you know, like the little speck of light coming up over the horizon and it starts to get brighter and brighter and bright till till it's the full light of day and, and that's what the path for you and I is like. One day we're gonna be in heaven and, and it says there's gonna be no need for a sun the sun there, right? Because it's gonna be so bright already. It's gonna only gonna get brighter, only gonna get better. If I can encourage you, if you're going through any kind of darkness, it will get brighter. It's going to. If you are are one of His. I don't have to tell you what it's like for those that that are not one of His. They, They call it outer darkness. Separation forever and ever. So Jesus and this one man... I I have to apply it to us, really. Jesus worked in this one man's life physically, spiritually. But he works in our lives, too, in my life, in your life. I don't know. I can't tell you exactly how that's going to be. Again, there's no formulas. There's no, you know, set patterns that he's going to do. But I believe that he will work in your life. I really believe that. And I believe that he's still opening eyes today. Maybe, maybe just maybe he's found you here today and, and, he, and, and he's asking you to do something. I don't know what it is. He wants you to respond to him some way, somehow. We're going to pray. Maybe in your heart you can respond to him. Maybe, maybe you need to just stand up and say, uh, you know, I, I, I want to just listen to you. I want to follow you. I, I, I need you. Maybe you need to come for prayer afterwards and and ask someone to pray for you and don't even tell them what you want prayer for or tell them. But I think you and I need to not be afraid to to make responses, to, to respond to what he's asking us to do. He's still at work today. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, you are everything that we've read about here today. You are the Son of Man. Yes, you came. You took the form of a man. You are the man they call Jesus. You are a prophet. You are worth following. You are from the Father, sent from heaven. And you are Lord. we stop and we thank you that you came into the world to bring light into the darkness one of the biggest things you came to do was to open blind eyes to open eyes that that we might be able to see and trust you as this man said I believe Lord I believe and he worshipped Lord we stop now and we Say all the stuff, all the stuff around us, even the stuff of our physical bodies, Lord, it's, it's really nothing in comparison to heaven. But these, three, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love, the love you have for us. The love we return to you. Maybe there's some darkness, maybe something that you want to just talk to God about right now. Don't let the enemy stop you. Maybe you want to stand up right now, just where you are. Nobody's looking at you. We're just praying. If you want to stand up and say, God, I'm serious, I want to follow. Maybe that's you. give me for holding back, for trying to do it on my own, leaning on my own understanding. Jesus, Lord, I believe I worship you. Lord, I surrender to you. I give my all to you. I give my heart, my soul, my body, my mind, my strength. I give it to you, Lord. Change me. Grow me up. Father, I thank you that you have begun a good work in in us those that have surrendered and bowed the knee and and you have started a good work and you're going to finish it you're going to bring it to completion you're going to you're going to bring us to the finish line we're one day closer today to that finish line it's going to be worth it God. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. Let's all stand together, shall we?